0: Welcome to the Early Learning Podcast. My name is Jackie Ward. I'm the coordinator of the Early Learning Unit and I'm here with Cherie Bell who's our preschool advisor and we're here recording a podcast series on the Early Years Learning Framework and this episode is focusing in on the practices of the Early Years Learning Framework. So what I thought we might like to sort of start with today is um, talking about, I think, the most um, overlooked section of the Early Years Learning Framework. I think, you know, educators can, can sort of get their head around belonging and becoming, they read the principles and then they step ahead and jump into the learning outcomes and often forget about the very important pedagogical practices section and I think you know when we when we do that we rob ourselves of the opportunity to equip ourselves with what I think is our pedagogical toolkit so as a teacher it teaches you how the how-to of teaching all of the pedagogical practices. Um, and quality teaching you know it's explaining and unpacking what does early childhood pedagogy and teaching look like it supports your curriculum decision making it supports all of those things so I think that's sort of you know a fundamental thing that might be missing if you're sort of struggling with a lot of um, decision making and all those sorts of things Um, I think it's really good to reflect on them um, and how you're engaging with those um, various practices. I should call them out before I give you a turn to talk, Sheree. I always think it's good to label them all. Uh, There is holistic approaches, uh, responsiveness to children. Um, I'm struggling even though I've looked at them really recently. What are are the rest? Uh, We've
1: got uh, learning through play, intentional teaching, uh, the Learning learning environments... Cultural competence,
0: transitions and continuity of learning, and assessment for learning. Awesome. Look at us. We're looking at them all the time. We can't even remember all the topics. Um, So I think it's really good to be thinking about that. For example, you know, um, what do they look like in real life practice? You know, I'm I'm stepping ahead to the next topic. I'm going to hand over to you, Cherie, what, what you've got to say about the toolkit.
1: Oh, I think I think like you say, it is it is a section of the early years learning framework that can often be missed. It doesn't mean that educators aren't maybe doing some of those practices because our educators in our in our early childhood settings they're they're drawing on a rich repertoire of those pedagogical practices to promote children's learning, and those eight research based practices that you talk about really guide how how an early childhood educator's work act- actually works for supporting children. So it is really critical to go back and have a look at those practices. Like you say, the the practices are, will support children's learning to, towards the learning outcomes. So reflecting on the strategies, the practices in their own toolkit is going to support children's learning.
0: Yeah, and I think, you know, thinking them like a toolkit, you think to yourself what do I need in this situation? I'm going to facilitate this learning. So maybe I'll think about um, what do I need to think about and plan for in my learning environments if I want to achieve this um, outcome or or support this child's learning, you know, support outcomes through interest-based learning. Sometimes it'll mean that I'll be focusing in on those learning environments and they'll be the, you know, the centre of my pedagogy for that week or that month or whatever. Um, You know, I think too often um, educators don't necessarily reflect on, their assessment of learning or practices or assessment for learning practices. You know, having a think about what am I doing and, and is it really um, collecting meaningful information? And am I using that assessment to, um, to reflect on the quality of my teaching and whether or not my teaching is on the right track? Mm-hmm. Um, And I think the way they're set out in the Early Years Learning Framework, it's one of my favourite things about the whole document, because all of the bits and pieces you could look at very separately and individually, couldn't you? You know, it's like two or three, maybe four paragraphs. Assessment for learning is probably the biggest one, but, you know, there's lots of interest in that topic, so I think people can probably read two pages on that one. Um, But, they're, you know, like it's a small bit of information, and I think that that's one of the things that I've always engaged with the Early Years Learning Framework, to go back to it and dip in and out of different bits and pieces and think about what does it mean for me? What does it look like in what I'm doing? And and am I thinking about a holistic way of viewing children, you know, from that, um, you know, body, mind, spirit kind of point of view?
1: Yeah, I think that's like that dipping back in and out, like you say, is is really important and crucial to do because as you grow as an educator, as things come up with children's learning or in the day-to-day, every time you go back every time i go back to this section or to all sections i see something a little bit differently Mm -hmm. or it helps uh, shape my reflection in a different way and i'm able to think about things slightly differently and like you say, so a lot of those sections are a few paragraphs so it kind of captures and, and provides the tools and ideas there to support your thinking to really put the early years learning framework like into action.
0: Yeah and you can put your own slant on it you know what does that mean for me what does that look like in my practice given my setting given my you know professional development and my training and all those sorts of things. Um, I think it's, you know, um, a great thing to sort of think about regularly, critically reflecting on the practices and how you're using them and whether or not you could engage with different ones. I know um, I heard one of our educators um, talk about the fact that, you know, she focuses in on one practice a week and really thinks about that particular practice and how she could um, better engage with that to support children's learning. Um, I do think it's the sort of thing that, um, again, different ones will come to the surface at different times. For example, you know, continuity of learning and transitions might be a prominent one at the start of the year. How are we really supporting transitions and what do I need to think about? Because it's a stage of a lot of transition, you know. Same thing with the end of the year when you're transitioning children onto the next phase of wherever they're going. Um, so I think those are, you know, really important things. Again, responsiveness to children. There's a nice connection there with the National Quality Standard as well, in relation to Quality Area Five. Thinking about, um, I guess it comes back to what we talked about in our um, Belonging, Being, Becoming podcast as well. Responsiveness to children, I think, is really integrally connected to facilitating children's um, to be in the environment or to be themselves and engage, giving them the time and their and the space, I guess, to engage with their learning in whatever way they, they see fit.
1: Absolutely. And and it's, it, it is going to look and feel different uh, in each different service, different context. It's going to look and feel different. I also worked with some educators and uh, their process was they, they took a practice at a time or they took the, uh, this section of practices. And they really, at their meeting, they discuss and they said, well, if someone was to walk in here, could, could they see this in action? Where would they see this? And it challenged them to really think about were they using this, this, their toolkit in action?
0: Oh, I like that. That's a great, great idea. You know, and again, it really focuses in on making children's learning visible too, isn't it? You know, I often think about that. Yeah, look, I think there's room for people to really sort of unpack those ideas. And, and just like you, every time I read them again, I go, wow, that really has a big impact on the way I think about that thing. One of the um, my favourite um, sections to read and reflect on is the one cultural competence. Um, I thought I think that really um, had such a strong, I had st- such a strong um, epiphany when I read that about the idea of, you You know, um, celebrating and honouring difference. And, you know, I guess that I'd always thought of other terms that we'd used over the years because I've been around a long time and there's been lots of (laughs) names for that. Multicultural, um, I can't even think of all of them. But I always thought of that. Well, you know, I don't really have another culture. And I always thought that, I guess I always thought of that as referring to people that, you know, maybe came, you know, English was their second language, or they came to Australia, you know, migrated to Australia, having another cultural connection. Whereas it's all about whatever your cultural identity is, and it's much broader than your country of origin. You know, it's about all sorts of things, um, gender diversity, all sorts of things make up your, um, your, your culture, I guess. And I think that it's a great opportunity to connect children and families with what it is to be Australian as well which I kind of really like I think there's real opportunities when you unpack that cultural competence practice as well
1: yeah I liked that part too it's very powerful talking about or pointing you in the direction of considering your own culture and your own cultural competence and it goes beyond you know um, some bilingual books or something like that it's well and truly beyond that it really is digging a lot deeper and it's very powerful section again kind of linking it to those big overarching themes it's it's central to our sense of identity that cultural competence
0: yeah definitely and I guess the the one that's really important well they're all important I shouldn't put any special emphasis on one over the other but you know I often get questions from educators about well how, how am I supposed to document is this right is this the right way of doing it you know am I doing too much or or you know is there a requirement to do this every day for example day books every day writing and taking pictures and all that kind of stuff If you don't like the way that you're recording um, your programming and planning at the moment read through the section of assessment for learning because it gives you lots of information not what to do not how to do it not how often. There's nothing specific in there, but it tells you the things that your documentation needs to have in it. It needs to have meaningful, rich, meaningful, relevant information about that child's learning. That's the only thing that's important to write about. Yet often we get caught up in recording a whole lot of different things, uh, which is fine. There's nothing wrong with doing that. But when educators often cry or, or say that their time poor then we really need to think about prioritising what's important. And I think the assessment for learning section really gives some great guidance about that.
1: And I think that's that's good too because the earliest learning framework isn't um, going to tell you those exact... those exact... Um, how many learning stories you must write for each child, etc. It gives you the professional space to make a professional judgement to do what's going to suit your children, your families, your team of educators for your particular context. And what the Early Years Learning Framework does, or that section in particular that you're talking about, it again provides a tool or the ideas to start having those conversations and deciding, well, what's going to work best for our children and families for us as educators in our context and I think that's really nice thing about the early years learning framework it's not uh, structured in a certain way where you don't have that flexibility to take into account your individual needs of of the service of the children of the families I really like that
0: yeah definitely and I think um, you know the practice section is so important because there isn't the same content that there is in the curriculum of other um, schooling years. Um, you know, primary or secondary have specific content that they need to cover. Whereas in the early years, it's more, the, you know, it's not prescriptive as to what content you need to cover. It is prescriptive, though, in terms of, well, not really prescriptive, but directive, I guess, um, in in encouraging you to facilitate children's learning using the pedagogical practices. So I guess, you know, in wrapping up to that, for me, it's about if you haven't engaged with all of those sections or maybe you've looked at one or two, maybe it's an opportunity to reread them really read them with the look of thinking about what does it look like feel like mean for you and whether or not you know you could use some extra focus on that particular thing or some extra reading in that space or whether or not you know um that's an area of strength for you Um, you know, and that, you know, that's an opportunity for you to support others in your understanding of, you know, learning environments, for example, and learning environments being used, you know, in that way that, you know, is flexible, responsive, all those sorts of things.
1: Well, that's right. I guess it gives you um, a vehicle for discussion to maybe even unpack or look for or think about what strategies you use on a day-to-day basis to put those to, to embed those practices in into your everyday. That is a good point,
0: Cherie, Because I'd realise I'm thinking: have we talked about all of them? We hadn't talked about intentional teaching. <laughs> well, that was a bit of an oversight. But I do think that that is again that's an, an often misunderstood sort of um, you know pedagogical practice um, and. In fact, we're doing all we're doing that all the time, and there's only two paragraphs I think in the early years learning framework about intentional teaching. But for me, it really hits the nail on the head. It's not about rote teaching. It's not about. Um you know, the, the, only the planned experiences that you do. It's about your decision making, it's about you being purposeful, it's about you taking opportunities, responding to the teachable moments. It's about being planned and planning for your teaching strategies as well. I think that's often a thing where people do some plans for learning, but it's really just plans for resources, as in we're putting the Play-Doh out, we're putting the puzzles out, we're putting the, um, you know, the Mobile-O out. We really need to think more about planning, A, for learning in terms of the learning outcomes and B, planning for learning as to how we're going to facilitate it. So how are we going to use the pedagogical practices to support children's learning?
1: Yeah, it's th- the why. Why Why are we doing this? What are we putting in place? What are we hoping to achieve by by doing this? There's that, that purpose, that intent behind it. What strategies are we going to use in the hopes that we can support, extend, um, provoke you know, problem solve with the children. It's, yeah. it's very much about those, taking them to those higher order, the higher order thinking, the higher, you know...
0: Yeah, definitely, and and even though I said um, the content isn't prescriptive in there, but intentional teaching is about supporting children's content knowledge as well. It's not yes. that it's it's not required in the early years. It's just not prescriptive, you know. So mathematical knowledge, um, you know, STEM knowledge, all of those sorts of things. That's where you kind of bring it in with the um, with the pedagogical practices, particularly intentional teaching.
1: And I think that's often a maybe a misinterpretation or a misunderstanding that the early years learning framework isn't supporting that content knowledge where actual fact it really is and it's through that pedagogical practice of intentional teaching
0: that you do it that that is done yeah definitely well that was a great session Um, thank you Cherie anything else that you wanted to add? Um, I
1: was just thinking about particularly the, the practices and how they can be embedded into the everyday and I I really like the link to the philosophy Mm. uh, like the service philosophy when it's when you're thinking about the early years learning framework as well because I think that gives like reviewing and revising and, and aligning and linking what you're doing to the service philosophy can really showcase and impact how you are applying those pedagogical practices into action.
0: Yeah, and you make a good point there that um, you know one of the exceeding themes of the national quality um, standard is is about embedded practice and how do you do embedded practice. It's about everybody understanding the pedagogical practices, I think, because that allows for consistent practice across the board. And it also um, allows for a shared pedagogy, a shared language. We're all talking the same thing and we all understand that how, what and how we're doing um, supports children's learning. So nice, nice wrap-up. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Jackie.